Welcome to System Mastery, the best podcast there is. Now with 25% more podcast fluid. Today, as in every day, our fate is not the blacksmith, but our recording studio's fate is, as always, the cockatrice. Today's review is Everway, a bizarre mix of improvisation and interpretive tarot card reading. Enjoy. Chamberlain even agreed to trial by stone. It doesn't make sense. He's he's a weak, shrimpy little guy. What, was he, like, thinking he was going to win? Well, I mean, all of them are kind of shrimpy if you look under their massive cloaks. Yeah, I know, but the one he goes up against, I forget, like, the war master or whatever that guy's name is. Like, he is clearly the strong one of them. You got him, and then you got the fat guy who's probably got some extra, like, arm muscle from eating so fast. Well, the thing is, I still don't understand how you win trial by stone, because they're all, like, super impressed and surprised that the stone broke, and it's got these little notches in it, so you assume they've done this before on the same stone. Yeah. How do you win? Well, I always figured, because there's even parts where, like, when the Chamberlain takes a swing at it, one of, like, the random dudes in the background goes, A hit! A fine hit! And it's like, okay, so I guess the uh, it's... Don't miss? Well, okay, don't miss is part of it, but also I think it's judged. You know, like, there's, like, a Russian judge and a... Cameroonian judge and so on, and they're the like guy holding, from East Germany. East Germany, they're all just holding up little signs in the background. They're like, "No, oh, that was a six. That was definitely a six of a hit." He he kind of spent way too long yodeling before he swung, and then it made a bunch of sparks. That's good. That's a good hit. I like that. That's a good hit. You know, good sparks, good hit. Yeah, that's uh, as the saying goes. Yeah, good sparks, good hit, can't lose. I think it is <laughs> the uh, the official slogan of the of the Skeksis. Although. The other thing is, when you go to hit that, you do one of those like ridiculous spin your whole body around swings. Just hit the other guy with your sword. Oh, just fucking murder him. That would have been a way better intro <laughs> to the Dark Crystal if he just went, they just kind of brought his sword down just stabbed the, the other dude in the gut. <laughs> hey, like, I win. I'm the emperor. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fantastic. I just, I still, I don't understand why he volunteered. He was like, yes, trial by stone. Yes, good idea. He should have been like, no, trial by trivia contest. <laughs> Trial by laundry. <laughs> Trial by rock band three. <laughs> Dibs on vocals. Hmm. Are you ready, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I forgot. One of us was named Steve. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, because they're all other. They're named like the War Master and the Counselor and the Gourmand and, and Steve the, and the Skeksis. St- and Steve. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves Steve. He's in the background of most of the shots. Yeah. There's also an appropriate mystic also named Steve that's just, hey, guys, I don't have any wisdom. <laughs> there's, there's Steve and then there's uh, Esteban on the other side. They're two sides <laughs> of the same coin. Yeah, Esteban. Esteban marching towards that giant glass castle. Just kind of. I can't even do that, right? <laughs> Damn it, Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> we're, tr- we're all trying to do a thing here. and You keep fucking it up. Quit trying to harmonize. No, it's, that'd be great. They just, oh, And then finally Steve just goes, for the longest time. <laughs> no, no, we're not doing that, Steve. Every time we tell you this. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Everway. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. We review things on this. Oh, you know, we used to. Yeah, we used to. <laughs> we've moved beyond that. I think we've outgrown the review as a concept. Yeah. Now the show's a recipe show. Hey, everyone. How'd you like a good old recipe for an ass whooping? You come on down to my place and I'll give you one. 
All right. So Everway is the uh, the I guess it's a. It's really very singular sort of thing. It is the it, RPG. It's a collection of bizarre ideas and seemingly very difficult to replicate play ideas by uh, one Jonathan Tweet. Yeah, one of the authors of Third Edition D uh, and D, and it's sort of a fantasy setting that's very uh, loose and very kind of freeform and improvisational in the way that it runs. Yeah, the uh, the entire sort of idea behind it was it felt very Magic the Gathering. It does. It very much feels like a Magic. Like someone, like it may have started out as a Magic the Gathering RPG and then someone re- reduced the funding to it. Oh, yeah, because this is from Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. It feels kind of like they had originally said, hey, man, uh, I know you're... Fresh off of that hot new D&D property we've got going on, can you give us your interpretation of magic for an RPG? And he brought back Everway, the game, and they were like, ha 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 ha, we're not putting the magic logo on that. Oh gosh, no. This is going right on the fridge instead. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh boy, we're definitely going to sell that to someone. Not not anyone that we care about here at Wizards of the Coast, but someone. We're going to find that weird hippie demographic that only likes people if they're named after actual objects. Oh, yeah. We are definitely going to sell this to someone bundled along with some amethyst. That's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. This comes with a pouch of healing stones. Yeah, 100%. You are going to put some quartz on your forehead and play some Everway. Oh, my gosh. This is the closest game I've seen to the game they're playing in Mazes and Monsters. <laughs> Where there's just nothing, no there's, one does any dice rolling, yeah, they're like, eh, I do a thing. Well, you should not have done that thing, for you fall into a pit lined with crystal spikes. <laughs> oh no. Oh, can I roll to escape it? R- roll? What is this word? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, uh, but you are inhabiting a roll. <laughs> I I narrowly evade the spikes, yes, and then you hit other spikes and die. Im- <laughs> improv! Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> So, okay, the basic mechanics of this game are... The basic mechanics of this game... (laughs) (laughs) The basic mechanics of this game are so mind-blowing that Jeff is beginning to leak some gray matter out of his ears just thinking about it. Oh, there's bugs coming out of my mouth. (laughs) So, okay, it's actually not all that complicated of a game once you get right down to it. Your character has four stats, and maybe they have some powers. Yeah, and this is, stat-wise, we've seen this in a couple other games we've reviewed, uh-huh. but it's the Elementals stats. Yeah, so you've got your Earth and Fire and Water and Air. i got to be honest here, I am blanking on the game we reviewed that had that last time. It was the Dragon one. Yeah, that thing where you're another kin. Yeah, it's the other kin dragony game, and, and I feel terrible that I don't remember the name of every game I've ever reviewed, so I'm sorry, people. It's, uh, what, Fireborn? Fireborn, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah Baby Bjorn? Yeah, it's Baby Bjorn. <laughs> I think that might be the last time we had to deal with the classical elements as stats. And before that, it probably would have been uh, ooh, uh, Legends of the Five Rings. Probably, yeah. Or, or wait, we did actually cover 7th C at some point. Oh, but they dropped it. It switched it out for, like, panache and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, probably Legend of the Five Rings is the last time we saw this nonsense with the earth, air, fire, water. Yep, and there's no weird, uh, like, tertiary stat, like, void. Yeah, there's no void. There's no metal. There's no heart. No, they do have magic as a thing that isn't technically a main stat but you can put points into it like Mm -hmm. it was a stat yes you can yeah anyway so your main stats those four your earth and fire are going to be your physicals so Mm -hmm. fire is your active and earth is your defensive slash reactive sort of thing yeah 
And then your air and water are going to be your mental and like metaphysical. So air is your intelligence and your ability to be smart and wise and so on. And then water is more like how spiritually in tune you are and how persuasive you can be. It's your stat of magic and mana, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Although this game doesn't really have a mana system, it's just sort of it. That's the word that they would use to describe it. Yeah. The uh, So the stats you get are just going to be those four. Yep. And you've got a bunch of other things you can get, but other than that, that's it. That's like, it. That's, that's what you have on your sheet mostly. Yes. Now, there are about 20. Each character gets 20 points to distribute as they wish between those four stats. Now, an average human, like just a base regular guy, is going to have about a three. In yeah. a stat. So it's no problem for your character to easily have average human stats all the way across the board. And then have a bunch of points left over to spend on other things. Yeah, either making himself or herself super powerful and tough or super smart, or by buying powers and spells. Yeah. Now, everyone gets one free specialty in every given stat mm-hmm. that is something you do that is above and beyond whatever that stat does. Yes. So let's say... I want to go ahead and say I've got climbing for my fire stat. Sure. So if my fire stat was a four, if I was climbing, I would treat it as a five. Mm-hmm. Now, they do have a weird special cross ability rule where if you can essentially can just bullshit it? your way into using it, you can do that cross thing. Yeah, if you're like, okay, my character's really good at climbing, so I'll roll my water score to climb the social ladder... Well, no, it would be, okay, I'm going to use archery as my specialty, but I'm going to do it in air instead of fire like I normally uh, would, yeah, 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 because I'm... arrows go through the air. That's right. Okay, that, that yeah. So that way, for one thing, you can be like, oh, I get to roll a different stat. So you could say, like for the climbing thing, you could say, oh, I'm going to use earth for climbing because I, I'm climbing rocks. Yeah. And so that it's, way I can do that. It's amusing how when that system activates, all of a sudden the four elements that represent your character become depressingly like literal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, normally swimming would be a fire thing because it's a physical activity, but it happens in water, so you can go ahead and use your cross-ability specialty to say I swim with water, which is weird because you're like, oh, I've got like a super high water score. I'm kind of like a priest and I'm all about the metaphysical, but I'm just super weak and... Then you get me in water, and I'm like a goddamn fish. I'm just fast as hell. I'm Aquaman in the water. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you can buy the cross-class skills, and then you can buy powers. And, again, you get one free power. Yes, and that one free power has to be, and this is the three categories of what builds a power in this game, because while there are a few example powers in the game, it's designed around the idea that you're going to build this nonsense yourself. Which, let me also bring up, there are a ton of characters that they give you in the box. Oh, there's so many. There are so many characters in this box set. Oh, yeah. So they give you just a whole crap load of these characters that you could play as. Now, the book, oddly enough, describes the, uh, the pre-made characters as something you would do if you were only an experienced player and that new players wouldn't want to use the uh, pre-made characters because they would have a harder time getting into character if they hadn't made it. I could definitely see that as being accurate. I mean, I'm looking at one of them right now, and I'm, I'm just looking at a character, I'm pulling it random out of this, and it's like, all right, I'm a brand new player. I can't wait to play Everway. Let's see, I'm going to be playing as uh, 
praises B, whose motive is conquest, and his virtue is the eagle, the mind prevails, his fault is the defender reversed, or peril, and his fate is law, order versus treachery. By the way, law, order versus treachery, that is definitely a Steven Seagal movie from the past three years. Yeah, no, it's just law and order versus treachery. (laughs) Dunk, dunk. (laughs) Here in the special treachery investigations division, we only look up cases of betrayal or backstabbing. When people do wrong in the spheres, there are two separate but equal teams that take care of it. You saying this guy likes to betray little kids? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, but it's weird because normally in a game when they provide you with those pre-gen characters, they're always like, oh, if you have no idea how to play a game, just play one of these pre-gens because they assume that anyone else who's doing it probably has some level of system mastery. Yeah. But in this case, they do not. No, because no one can have system mastery over Everway. So, yeah, it actually you know, is. Stop the podcast right here because no one can have system mastery. Oh, is that what we do? Is that how we handle it when a game is unsystem masteryable? We just we just shut it down and walk away. Yeah, just shut it down. Hands up. Hold is on, it, hit the switch. Is it the last episode too? We're done. Are we done now? Yeah, we're done. Goodbye, everyone. We uh, found the thing. <laughs> we found the game. Everway, you cannot master it. The only reason you can't master Everway is because it's just improv the game with a whole bunch of silly hippie trappings. Yeah, it's basically like trying to be the master of freeze tag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or like the very best in the world at scattergories. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So uh, so I'm I'm continuing to look at the sample character here. I am looking at Praises B, who has a zero of powers, which means he has no powers to his name, even though he should have one at least, because you get one free power. Yeah. Has a magic score of six. Which is where all of his points went, apparently. Yes. Also has a water score of three, with a specialty of sensing magic, uh, a might score of three, with a specialty of studying long hours. An air score of six with a specialty of authoritative voice, and a fire score of two with a specialty in staff fighting. Good. So that's that's a very complicated character. But to get back to the powers thing, uh, powers when you choose them, and again, though there are very few pre-gen powers in the game. They are all very free flowing. There's nothing in this game that like does an amount of damage. No, because damage also just sort of doesn't really exist in this game. Yeah. So okay, here's the basics. There are three templates that you you judge your power that you're creating against. Can you do it often? Is it frequent? Can you do it uh, in a lot of situations? Is it versatile? And does it have a major effect on the uh, on the world when you use it? Is it powerful? Yeah. So uh, frequent, major, and versatile are the three things that you look at. Mm-hmm. For each one of those it is, it costs one of your 20 starting points. Yes. And it's and possible you, to purchase them double. Yeah, you can get something, well, mostly just double major. Yeah, Because you just, can't be like, I'm double versatile. I'm frequent, frequent. <laughs> it's always on. Okay, that's frequent. It's yeah. double it's, always it's, on. It's always on twice. I have another guy who it's also always on with him. It's always on for me, and I just pick someone else, and it's on for them, too. Ooh, that actually would be pretty good usage of it. Yeah, but that would just be major again, because you could just be using your power on someone else. <laughs> okay, so... To give you an ex- so the free power you get has to be none of those three categories. It has to be not especially powerful, not especially versatile, and you can't use it especially often. So one of the, uh, like they give a bunch of little like oh you can try and control people with uh, singing or you can turn invisible or it has a whole bunch of different things mm-hmm. for the examples. 
So one of the ones they say that's like, oh, what's a zero point thing is you can uh, just play a musical instrument without actually touching it. So you're like, oh, I have a magic lute that follows me around and I can go like, hey, start playing music. And it just starts playing music. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come up frequently. It's not very powerful. And it doesn't really do anything besides play a song. So... It's just free. You yeah. just get to do it. Uh, and you know, I might as well say that for as goofy as this is, and you know, it, it all feels like kind of like you're working towards nothing because there's no like concrete results you can build from all this stuff. For as goofy as it all is, it's very well laid out. They really did a good job of kind of conveying what you can do and what the versatile is and when things switch from versatile to or, or being less versatile to more versatile. They, For example, they have one that's uh, you have magic singing as a power. And you can do it whenever you want, so it's frequent. Uh, and... It's not versatile because there are just a lot of things that aren't all that interested in you magically singing. Except it's the flip one of that. Because it's not frequent because you can't sing to everyone. Oh, is it, okay, but it's, it backwards. But it's uh, versatile because you can affect their emotions. Okay, fair enough. And they're like, oh, if you could only make people sad, it yeah. would be non-versatile. But because you can do basically whatever, it's versatile. Which means that the, the other thing is if you could sing in such a way as to stop a charging lion or rocks from falling, then it would also be frequent. Yeah. Although I feel like at that point that might be major. Like if your singing is capable of stopping a landslide. Well, yeah, I think the singing and affecting people's emotions ended up being just a major power that was versatile right. and not frequent. Because so, it didn't come up enough. So here's a couple more examples to give you an idea of how you build these things. Uh, to be a werewolf, like just the ability to turn into a wolf is both uh, major and uh, frequent. Unless you only can do it when you turn into the, when it's the full moon, in which case it is only major. Yeah. And then, I mean, certain powers that would be crazy good in other games become just like a one point power in this. So yeah. one of the ones they have is regeneration. And regeneration is essentially after any given encounter, you just get all of your wounds back. You heal up from any damage you take. Mm -hmm. In other games, that would be insanely good. But in this, it is a one-point power because it's not frequent because you're not always hurt. It's not versatile because all it does is heal your wounds. And it's just major because all it does is just heal your wounds up, like, very quickly. But it doesn't really instantly. do anything. If it, was, if it was instant wound healing, it would probably be double major, which actually is one of the listed powers they have in there for, like, if you're completely invulnerable to harm. Yeah, which would essentially be the instant regen instead of just, I can't be hurt, it's I instant regen from it. But yeah, if you're completely immune to people hurting you then it's double major because that's super good now it does have guidelines for the gm to tell you no you can't do this there are a couple ones like one is you can't have a power that lets you just control other people not instantly you, yeah. can, you have powers that let you control other people but you have to earn it well yeah you have to be like oh i can try and mesmerize them or yeah. plant little suggestions in their brain but you can't be like Oh, I look at that guy and I just instantly control him. Yeah, no purple manning. Yeah, and then the other one no was... No Peyton Manning. No, no Peyton Manning in this. No, not at all. That's not allowed. Eli Manning is fine. Oh, yeah, well, he's not very major at all. Yeah, you're allowed to have one. It's called the it's called the No Mannings Club. <laughs> you got a Manning up. <laughs> but the, the other one they have in there is an example of a character who's like, oh, he wanted a power that is he could stop time around him whenever he wanted. And it goes, no. That's a power that the character may have a really good reason why his character should have that, but it would break the game, so don't let him have that. Yeah. And this, the book is full, like, to the brim of GM advice. Yes, it's very, very well written for GM advice. Yeah. 
if like, any, it's it's amazing because this game is like super well written, very well structured. It has a, a lot of expertise in the ter- in terms of how to write a role playing game, how to give advice when it's needed. But then ultimately, the game doesn't make any sense. Well, I or mean, it, it sort makes, of I, makes sure, sense. It makes sense. It's just that most of this is unreasonable or, or unnecessary because it all boils down to GM fiat in the end in this game, more than any other game I've seen. Yeah, it really is just a game of the GM tells you what happens and you can maybe try and argue with him about it, but meh. Yeah. So, okay, that's how you build powers. You, you And you can, like we said, we double them up if you want to make an especially powerful power. The, o- the only example they have of that in the book is having an ape friend. Yeah, your ape friend is double major, and that's just because... In business management and psychology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in TV VCR repair. <laughs> and he earned his degree. <laughs> so the the ape is frequent because he's a companion that's always with you. He's versatile because he can do a bunch of stuff. He can do cool ape things. Yeah, he's got all that ape power. Yeah. And then uh, he's double major because, I don't know, he's an, I don't know why that ape guy is double major. It's just you have another dude around, which in any other game, you'd look at it and go, Oh, wow. oh, yeah, full set of actions. That breaks the action economy wide open, and he's got hands. Yeah, no, you'd go, oh, this guy is a huge dude. He's got combat stats that are, like, he's got a way six above and average. Yeah. So you'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that guy's amazing. But in this game, where they're, you don't roll for combat, you don't do a lot of stuff, the fact that your monkey is a badass doesn't really matter. No, it just doesn't matter. Although, you just brought a world of pain down on yourself, because an ape is not a monkey, and, and I think you might have heard that. Maybe. He has a double major, sir. Yeah. Sir. <laughs> business excuse management me, sir. and fine arts. <laughs> I have art history and business management. Let's get one of those completely worthless. I have fine and technical art degrees. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I have art history and literature history. Oh. I'm yeah. S- I'm sorry. Not any of the real history, though. I know nothing about wars. <laughs> the, only, the only history that matters is wars. <laughs> That's true. But you know a lot about the- I've watched History Channel. I know that that's true. (laughs) You know a lot about the paintings that come out of or disappear during wars, so you- Look, I know all about all the paintings that Hitler took. I just don't know what he did or who he is. (laughs) I like this idea, your new character of a person who has only ever taken art history courses and no other experience with human (laughs) culture. Yeah. All he knows about anything is when it pertains specifically to pieces of art. That's it. (laughs) Everything else, he's like, I'm sorry, what? Who? Who is this Hitler of which you speak? I, I'm sorry. I do know some of his early work, but then he just sort of fell off the map yeah. and never did any more painting. Yeah. At, at a certain point, he gathered several paintings and then just sort of vanished. Yeah, I have to assume he wasn't very influential. <laughs> I mean, certainly his paintings go for a lot of money now, but no one ever seems to move or purchase them. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. my gosh, what a horrible person your character idea is. <laughs> yeah, just okay. the worst. There's also spells, and there are... I'd say like six or so schools of magic that you choose, and then you basically, by choosing a school of magic, you you buy a new stat that you can also put points in, and each level that you put points in unlocks more kind of spell effects that you can do from that school of magic. So, the I mean, it gives you like lists of these are types of magic things you could have. And of course, like everything else in this game, it's very freeform. If you want to, you can go, oh, I made up my own school of magic, yes. and this is its general effect. Because it'll have things in there like, Oh, this is fire. I have fire effects, and it lets me transmute things. So it is my fire stat, and you can't have a higher magic stat than whatever the controlling stat is. Yes. So for transmutation, it's fire, Mm -hmm. which means if I have, say, a four in fire, 
then I can't have higher than a four in the magic stat for that school. Yes. So I'm looking at one right now, for example. I'm looking at Open Chalice. Ah, yes, the water one. Yeah, it's a water school, and it, it basically is one that lets you sense energies and interact with flows. So uh, if you have it, then you can't have a higher magic score than your water score. Yep. And if you have a level one in this, you can sense strong energies, and that's all it does. Yeah, the the low end, honestly, everything below even a four in the magic schools are just pointlessly bad. Yeah. Number two, you can see strong auras. This is if you have a magic of two. You can see strong auras, such as those of powerful mages or mighty magical artifacts. Now, it doesn't say whether or not other people can also see those auras or your ability to, to do anything beyond seeing them, like, you know, know anything about them. Or if you have to cast the spell in order to do that, or yeah. if it's just something that's always on. Right. Uh, call and channel spirits with varied success is three. I'd like to think I have that power. Yeah. No, it's varied success. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work, and other times it really doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'm a complete failure, and other times I'm merely inept. <laughs> sometimes I repel spirits. <laughs> yeah. I try to call them, and instead I fart and they go away. Sometimes I get spirits, and then I drink them down. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm, spirits. Rum chata. <laughs> Man, I've been going through so much rum chata recently. It's so good. It is good. Okay, number four. You can communicate non-verbally with animals. Okay, again, I can also do I that. I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's basically just dog whisperer type shit where you're like, hey, hey, tss. And yeah. they're like, oh, oh, I need to stop doing that. I can be like, hey, dog, I'm not talking to you, but I smell like another dog. And that dog's like, holy shit, we are communicating on a deep and personal level. <laughs> oh, man, that butt, that butt stank. Yeah. <laughs> when, I'm like, when I'm like, hey, dog, what are you doing? And the dog is extending a tummy rub at, vibe at me. I'm like, oh, I, this dog needs a tummy rub. I intuited this through the spheres. Okay, at five, I can communicate non-verbally with plants. <laughs> okay, at, at least at least at this point, it doesn't say with varied success, because oh, otherwise man. I'd still be on board. Yeah. Uh, call and channel spirits with fac facility, except, uh, wait, call and channel spirits with facility. Yeah. I, oh, with the ability to help in some way, fine. Uh, except and neutralize petty negative energies. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. At number six, open up to and channel powerful spirits without harm. Good. At Great. number seven, sense multiple layers of magical energy, except powerful negative energies without harm. Sense multiple layers of bean dip. Let's just go ahead and skip to ten, which is commune directly with heaven. Yeah, the number ten for most of these are like crazy super powerful. Like the fire transmutation one is you transmute an entire sphere, which is basically you can change an entire planet, and it takes a year-long ritual to do, but you can just change the way a planet is. Yeah. And number 10 is you get to talk to God for the chalice one. Yeah. Except the, this is a game that has all of the gods. Oh, every god. It's one of those. It's a it's a planescape by way of Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So, but they're all like, no, the Greek pantheon exists and the Norse pantheon exists. All of these gods are around. And generally a sphere is one of the planets that you will jump through a portal to. Right. Now, so... On those, they are run by various gods, and you might have one sphere that's just like, what is this? This is a sphere that was made by Ares. So it's a bunch of people that like to beat the crap out of each other. It's a lot of war people, and that's all it is. You're yes. like, okay, great. Yeah. Now, keep in mind that when we say all the gods, we mean all the fantasy gods, because this game is set on a million parallel Earths, but they are all fantasy parallel Earths. There's no, there's no shadow cool tech Earth or anything like that. 
No. I mean, you could probably say, oh, I made a Hephaestus world, and when you go there, it's people that really value crafting weird things. Oh, and it yeah. would be like the fantasy version of uh, like having a, like a steampunk thing. Yeah, you could do that. You could get away with having like a Dunmer world, which is all the dwarves from uh, from Oblivion games. Yeah. So that'd be fine. But but no like cool, no flying aircraft, no no uh, cars. They're Nobody's very clear jacking on this. into the net here. Yeah, there's no net jacking. Yeah. Unless you're in a pirate world and someone steals your fishing equipment. Exactly. Yeah, then you've got, then your net has been jacked. Yar, someone <laughs> has net jacked me. Someone has simultaneously netted all me jacks. <laughs> I bet it's the cyber dock. <laughs> Over there, the dock. God damn it. All right. Uh, okay, so let's talk a bit about character creation in this game. We already told you basically what the stats are, uh, but I really want to tell you what it takes to create a character. Yeah, because it's not just numbers here. No. Goodness, no. Oh, gosh. So let's talk about this. There's a multi-stage process by which to create a character, and I'm just going to quickly give you an overview. Number one, the vision stage. You develop the general vision of your hero in three steps. Premise. The game master describes the premise for the quest, or the players develop one. Vision cards. Select five vision cards and use them to develop a basic idea of who your hero is. And now let's derail and talk about those for about 20 minutes. And now let's talk about a thing that no one can see that is entirely visual. I know, I can't wait to get into these for forever. So this game comes with about 400 little cardboard cards. And they all have sort of generic fantasy paintings on them. Just shit you'd see on the cover of Dragon Magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's right. It is all just like, oh, here's a lady riding a griffin, or here's a bunch of orcs, and they're about to run at a guy. So, And it's very much like late 80s, early 90s design, where every lady is a sexy lady wearing an armor corset, and sh- like they all look like Lady Death, but wearing a little bit more clothes. Uh. And every dude is a gross murderer with an eye patch. <laughs> there's, no, there's no gross ladies, there's no handsome dudes. It's all just sexy ladies and gross rapists. It's... It's like a bunch of pictures of heavy metal, but no tech. So, for example, in my hands, I am I am holding what appears to be Alias of the Azure Bonds, but with whiter skin, and she's striding sexfully across an empty plain while a giant double rainbow uh, shows another sexy hair metal lady riding on a cool gold dragon in the background. Now, that's just one of about 400 cards in this game. Yeah, now, I want you to imagine that you're making a character, you come across that card, and you're like, this expresses who my character is. And then not just that, but also four other cards simultaneously express who your character is. Yeah. Now, when we first cracked this thing open, we thought you had to pick four cards at random, which was a lot more fun. But oh, no, yeah. Instead, what you're supposed to do is go through all 400 cards until you find the five that resonate with your vision. Okay, so there are 400 of these. One of them, for some reason, is a foil card and is identified as such. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they were like under the impression that they'd be selling Everway expansion packs or something, like boosters. I don't know. Man, it's could you weird. imagine buying boosters of these things? Yeah, you're like, like oh, oh, man, I really want boosters of more weird paintings. I want ten more little pictures of fairy elephants and sexful ladies. Yeah, man. I did not get enough of a harpy fighting a like hippo in the last one, so, boy, I sure hope I get that foil one. I don't know, man. That's a rare... <laughs> Okay, so uh, use these vision cards to get, develop a basic idea of who your hero is. Now, you may be thinking we're just saying that there's fi- 400 little fantasy art pictures in this book, and you'd be right. However, if you flip every single one of them over, you then encounter the real magic of this game, which is the questions. Yeah, it's real magic, by the way. So, again, I am still holding sexy stride lady hanging out with gold dragon with second sexy hair metal lady. And uh, here's some questions. 
that you have to ask yourself when you hold this card and use it to develop your character. Where does this woman come from? Does Do her necklace or the shells on her belt hold any special significance? <laughs> Why is the nearby hill green with foliage and the far cliff barren? Who is the person that rides the creature in the background? Wow. Great. And that's just that's just one picked at random. So pick another one at random here. I'm not even looking. The, the box is behind me. Okay, I have uh, some black lizard men rising up from a, one of those fairy rings of mushrooms in a forest and flying off into the distance. It is otherwise very green. Why are these creatures armed? Where are they all headed? What special powers, magic, magic or significance, does the toadstool ring have? What lies beyond the edge of the forest? Uh, more forest. More forest. It's it's no forest edge. all the way down. It's just it, you can't fool me. <laughs> so anyway, pick five of these cards and use them to describe your character uh, by showing them because this is a big part of this game, and we'll get to it se- in a second. In introduce, introduce your hero to the other players who also introduce their heroes to the group. So at this stage, you have a general idea of what your character is and five little pictures of random fantasy hot ladies. Yeah, and you just. Pick those up and show them to everyone. You're like, look at this. Yeah, look, look at my show picture and, I got. I got a show and tell for you guys. Also, my mom brought orange slices. <laughs> it's so, uh, it's a weird little process to go through. That's step one. Yeah. Step two, the identity stage. You're, you develop the concept of who your hero is. Identity includes the following. Name, your hero's name. Most heroes in Everway are either common words or based on common words, such as Fire Sun, Chance, Heather, or Heaven Sent. God damn it. How is that that they would suggest that you play a hero named Heaven Sent and not a stripper? <laughs> or a stripper's daughter. That is the perfect thing to be named Heaven Sent. All right, moving on here. Uh, okay, motive. Your hero's basic motive for traveling among the spheres. Virtue. This is great. A card from the fortune deck representing your hero's special strength, gift, or luck. Fault. A card from the fortune deck representing your hero's special weakness or vice. Fate. A card from the fortune deck representing your character's destiny. Now, you may be asking yourself, wait, I thought we established that the decks of cards in this game are just pictures. No. Okay. So there's a fortune deck in here, and it is a not actual tarot deck, but just sort of a... Tarot-like deck. Yeah, a tarot-adjacent deck. Yes. But it does have, like, little pictures on everything, so you'll have, like, oh, this is summer, and it signifies... New beginnings, but if it is uh, reversed and upside down, then it signifies, like, the ending of things. You're like, okay, great. Yeah, I'm holding in my hand, fearing shadows, unnecessary fear. And then if you flip it over, it says, recognizing safety. Yeah. So there's a bunch of cards in there, and you're going to pick out a uh, something that's good for you. So your, uh, your main virtue. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm making a guy who's super buff and awesome at punching guys, and I'm strong, and that's my thing. Mm -hmm. I could pick the lion, Mm -hmm. and the lion is a card that, when you're just picking it normally, means strength and power. Yeah. So there you go. Now, my flaw could be that I'm kind of uh, impetuous and I don't think things through, so I could take the griffin reversed, so that way the griffin reversed is... You're not thinking about things because the griffin normally is you're very smart and you notice and you plan. So you turn it around. You go, great. That's my flaw. 
Mm-hmm. So now yeah. I have my vir- virtue and flaw. Now what we need to do is draw you a fate, and I'm going to draw one at random here for you, and I have pulled the donkey. <laughs> now, I'm oh shit, John, I think this might be an episode of Donkey Talk. Gonna ride that donkey donkey down to the honky tonky. It's gonna get funky funky. All right, welcome back to Donkey Talk. You know what I think the donkey represents? Yeah. I mean, really represents yeah. to me yeah. is uh, strength of character. Pretty much, it's strength of character. I mean, most people attribute the donkey to stubbornness. Yes, yeah. The, the, but the donkey truly is a noble, headstrong animal that just does what it wants. Well, the, the donkey knows its path, and it knows what it wants to do. And you can say that's stubborn. But I think it's just truly knowing who it is. I think the donkey always has a path, and it always gets you. Always. Yes. So, anyway. Did you know, by the way, that a donkey is a species, but a mule is actually just a non-fertile hybridization? I did. That is a di- there's two different things. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. Now, a mule is specifically the product of, I believe it's a male horse and a female donkey. But do you know the term for the product of a male donkey and a female horse? Yeah, that would be an asshole. <laughs> no. Anyway, I think it's a henny or something. Good night. Thank you for listening to Donkey Talk. Gonna ride that donkey donkey down to the honky tonky. It's gonna get funky funky. Gonna ride that donkey donkey down to the honky tonky. It's gonna get funky funky. Okay, good epic donkey talk. Good, good, ep. good. So the fate card represents your character's fate. It's the thing that's ultimately going to happen to them or a major milestone in their life. Yeah, usually you'll have your virtue is the card that's straight up and down. Yeah. The flaw is going to be a card that's reversed. Mm-hmm. And then your fate card is horizontal, and it's the struggle between the two concepts of either side of the card. Yes. So if, say, the law card, which is that order versus chaos... Your fate is the struggle between, like, change and keeping things the way they were. And that will change throughout the game. You'll actually hit points in there where you're like, oh. Oh, there's no hit points in there. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You will get to moments in the game Mm -hmm. where you will come face to face with whatever that fate is. So you might have a major decision to make or something the GM tells you is, oh, this ties into whatever your fate was. You make a choice, and it can go either way. You're not penalized if it's the sort of worse option. But if you do that, then you change out that fate, and you get a new one. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think the only other thing that we would really need to discuss with all these pieces you use to assemble your character is how resolution works in this game. Yeah, the resolution of this also uses the fate deck. Yes, if it has to. Uh, generally speaking, let's say your character wants to accomplish something, the the GM of the game, will, or fate or whatever they call themselves in this, will arbitrarily set a difficulty number. For example, you want to speak to this guy in town and have him let you into his uh, hedge maze. <laughs> he is A common problem. Yeah, he is disinclined to do so, but he is not especially strong of will. I will set his difficulty at an air score of two. Great. So well, that way you can go, well, my air score is four. I'm actually pretty good. So I'll talk to him about it and be like, come on, bro. Let me in that hedge maze. Yeah. In which case he does. <laughs> good. If you outnumber the hedge, the, the uh, score that you're working up against, you don't have to do anything. You just succeed. 
Yeah, most of the time, the GM, without even really setting a number, will just be like, all right, what are you trying to do? Oh, I want to climb over this wall. What's your fire score? It's a five. You do so. Yeah, it reminds me of high-level Exalted play in that respect, where Exalted has this problem where, you know, you're supposed to be, oh, a, a three is, is, a, is a good success and a five is a legendary success, and then you expect your ST to be able to understand the difference between a 14 and 17 die success. Yeah. Where he's like, okay, who had the highest wits versus aware or wits plus awareness? I have twenty four. Okay, God, you can see everything, including several new colors not yet discovered. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very weird in that aspect for that game. But yeah. for this one, at least, it's mostly just down to the GM makes a common sense uh, role in his yeah. mind. In his he's mind, like, which, which takes all the game out of it, and you're really just kind of playing a little bit of a Mother May I scenario most of the time. Yeah, so a lot of the time you'll be like, all right, I want to like, eat. swim across this river. Well, I mean, most of the time I want to eat just because I'm a big fat guy. Eat. Uh, apples and banunus? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see if I could get you to do it. That's all I wanted. Why? Why do you want me to do camp songs? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh okay. Moving right back into it. I'm sorry. I'm derailing this. <laughs> I, I apologize. I'll. I'll. Uh... How dare you? How dare you? You know, this is why every time that we go out, the people always shout. <laughs> there goes John Jacobs. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. Okay. Yes, well, sir. Uh, yes, uh, ending as hard as possible. Uh, anyway. So anyway, if you if you tie. The difficulty, the arbitrary difficulty that the GM sets, then you can choose to draw from the fate deck. Yep. Or for combat, you'll basically just draw for the fate deck regardless of what's going on. This is probably the the, the part of this game that disappointed me more than anything. Because when you read the descriptions of all these fate deck cards and what they do, they're just very slight reworkings on the same thing 18 times for the good results and then 18 times for the bad results. Yeah, well, the examples that they give in the book are really bad because the whole thing is just, here, let's run through an example of what each of these cards would do if you were fighting an ogre. And all of them boil down to, you beat that ogre, or that ogre beats you. Yeah, your character, Porkwad, is fighting this ogre, and uh, he, he draws the lion card. The lion card represents strength. You handily defeat the ogre. Great. Okay. You draw the eagle card. The eagle card represents foresight and quick thinking. Quickly, you handily defeat the ogre. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going through all of the various ways that you do this with very slight variations. Yeah, they're all things like you defeat the ogre handily because of your strength. And or you uh you build something that helps you defeat the ogre. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird that yeah. they used that as an example instead of something that would have more of a varied outcome. Yeah, the only thing is there are a couple cards that are like mixed blessing cards where it's like the fish, for example, is you eventually defeat the ogre, but he hurts your shield arm. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, the GM can just decide to interpret however he wants. Yes. You could say, all right, you drew the lion card, which represents strength, which means you attempt to fight the ogre head-on with your strength. It is a card that represents your strength overcoming, so you do win, but because you tried to fight an ogre in the area that he's good at, you end up like getting wounded. Yeah. So if you're the GM, you could interpret ones that normally would go, oh, yeah, you just win, into being, oh, well, there's some drawback to it. Right. It feels like there could be a really cool resolution mechanic system to be pulled from this. 
if it had a tiny bit more concrete application and if the the DM or GM had spent a ridiculous amount of time memorizing all these cards and what his favorite applications for them is. Well, yeah, the big problem with this is you're going to go, all right, we're starting combat and there's eight large rats and we need to figure out how to fight them and uh, we're going to pull a card from the deck and, all right, it's winter. Um, uh, what I the pulled. fuck does that mean when I'm fighting rats? All right, I'll, I'll do it here. I'm fighting some rats. Uh, D- GM, I would like to swing a torch at the rats to try and keep them at bay. Okay, pull a fortune card. I have pulled Nurture, the creator. Well, you create fire, and it scares the rats away. Uh, oh, I pulled it reversed. Abandonment. You abandoned this fight. <laughs> <laughs> Except that even then, that's not the way the game runs them. The games would be Nurture, not reversed. You handily defeat the rats, nurturingly. No, I mean, there's, like, the actual play example that they give. It is a little better. The, oh, hey, it's a little tiny one-sentence blurb of the outcome, which they also mention there's three ways you can handle combat. Mm -hmm. One is combat starts. Everyone tells you, like, okay, there are eight rats. We are going to try and I'm going to put my shield up and defend these two and He's going to try and get his magic loot out and soothe the beasts and so on. So everyone says what they want to do. You draw one card from the deck, and then you describe how the scene plays out. That is the, like, one-card narrative resolution. They have the one-card step-by-step resolution where everyone tells you what they want to do. You draw a card in secret, and then you sort of walk them through how things happen. So they get to do input as well. Yeah. But you know what the overall resolution will be. It's still never, it never changes how improv the whole thing is. No. And then the third one is straight up, you're using the deck instead of dice. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I swing my sword at the rat. All right, draw a card and we'll see how that goes. All right, the rat attempts to bite you. I'll draw a card and see how that goes. Yeah, that one's a little weird because it doesn't take your stats into account in any way. I mean... Kind of it does, because it'll you'd be like, oh, you swing the sword. All right, he has a fire of two, and you have a fire of six. Yeah. Even if be- I got something that was like, oh, it's like the cockatrice, and it's uh, things are tainted. You know? All right, well, you stab the rat, and he dies, but some of his rabies blood gets on you. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm going to swing at this rat. Winter. Maturity. All right. Uh, okay, your character... Gives up on this and goes inside and watches football. Your character sits the rats down and really talks to them about their 401k and wants, <laughs> wants them to have a diverse portfolio. The, your, car, your character has is calm and collected. He is the better arguer in this scenario. <laughs> the rats are so goddamn crazy. <laughs> These rats turn into straw men. <laughs> All right. So that's basically the resolution of how combat works in this game is... Uh, tarot cards yeah you just draw a card and the gm interprets however they want and there's also tarot cards all over the table because well you actually write down the tarot card results you get because there are special effects that occur if you draw tarot cards when playing the game that are represented by your weakness or strength yeah fate well there's also in addition to your character having all of these any sphere you go to is Mm -hmm. going to also have a virtue, a flaw, and a fate. Yes. Oh, we so, should really talk about the story, I guess, huh? Well, yeah. So the story in this is you are sphere walkers. Yeah. And that means basically the same thing as being a planeswalker. Yeah, it's so, just your spheres instead of planes. So, like we said, it's very much Magic the Gathering the game because there's your character is a wizard who has the ability to walk from plane to, I mean, sphere to sphere. And in these spheres, they'll have 
their own set of virtue flaw and fate. So it might be like, oh, I got the blacksmith and I got the trickster mm-hmm. and I got uh, like secrets revealed or something. So it's like, oh, these people have tricked someone into building all of their stuff for them, but the people are now just realizing that they've been tricked. You're like, okay, that's the sphere you landed in. Yeah. And so this- it lets you generate, if you're good at improv, you can just generate a new plane that someone comes to by drawing three cards. Yeah. This sphere has a lot of the devotion mechanic. Also, double strike is common here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This this sphere has a lot of vampires and madness. <laughs> There's a lot of flip cards in this sphere. <laughs> so many werewolves in this f- sphere. <laughs> Anyway, the, so the basic story is that there's this infinite universe of fantasy realms populated by dorks with stupid names, and a uh, few. And the, of th- the reason they have that is because the gods have made all of these planes. Uh huh. So instead of it being like, oh, there's Earth, and then alternate versions of Earth, it's every god out there has made a whole bunch of different dimensions and a bunch of crazy shenanigans. Or actually, I think it's the Wanderer is the one who is, like, making all of these dimensions and it's just inhabited by the gods. Whatever. You mean the Wanderer? The guy from that, like, sexist 50s song? Yeah, they call him the Wanderer. Yeah. The Wanderer. <laughs> he wanders around and around and around. You know, when I was when I was a kid, I thought that song started tautologically. I literally thought he said, Well, I'm the kind of guy who's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I like that. That's comforting. It's good to know that you aren't the type of guy that is not the type of guy you are. Yeah, it would be terrible. He's like, I'm not the type of guy who's the type of guy I'm not. And I'd be like, well, okay, that's actually still the same tautology, but but I understand where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the spheres all, almost, there's some variation, but they all basically have humans in them. Yeah. Humans are pretty much everywhere. You might find like weird variations on them so it's like oh some of them are super tiny or some are huge or whatever mm-hmm. but you mostly have humans everywhere because the gods just like humans gods for some are reason. crazy for fucking humans they're just all every one of them's got a big boner for humans yep every single one of them yep. and then uh certain spheres will have like weird fantasy races but they'll usually just have the humans then everyone speaks the tongue and mm-hmm. the tongue is like common in D D. Yeah. A awesome rapper. <laughs> yeah, it's like common in D&D. Yeah. Perfect. That makes great sense. Yes. It's very different from the Lupe fiasco of D&D. What? <laughs> Boah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's one of the things the gods are like, yeah, we made all of these people. We gave them all the same language. So that way it just sidesteps a lot of the stupid things where it's like, oh, I'm a guy who jumps from like reality to reality. Oh, great. You go to an entire planet. Of course, no one speaks your language, because why would they? And you just wander around being like, anyone? Uh, bathroom. Bathroom. My my lungs won't bond to this oxygen on this planet. You you guys have slightly different physics. I'm going to die. Oh, well, yep. (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah, so it it skirts that by just saying that everything was sort of made in the same way. Yeah. And there are outliers where it's like, oh, yeah, this is a sphere where people do have their own language outside of the tongue. So there's a core city that has connections to more spheres than any place else. It's basically the sigil of this game. Yep. I don't remember what it's called. It's called Everway. Oh, it's called Everway. Right. I should have known that. Good it's named job. after the game. <laughs> you forgot the name of the title of the game. Oh, man, that's fine. I just forgot that it was shared with the title of the name of the game. Anyway, it's a stupid city populated by dork 
Uh, <laughs> it's like, a stupid city populated by dorks like Austin, Texas. <laughs> no, Austin, yeah, suck that, Austin. Austin, Texas is the one good city in Texas. You be nice to Austin. <laughs> you heard me, Corpus Christi. Get your shit together. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Austin. Austin. I apologize. There you go. Keep us on good terms with Austin. They have good Please gaming. bring us to South by Southwest they or ha- some bullshit. They have good gaming conventions there, as far as I understand. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm oh. sure they do. Also, I think they have a local religion that revolves around worshipping homeless people or something. I forget how they work. <laughs> I forget Glo- how Austin works. Glowing homeless people, I think, is their whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's yeah. that's one of the spheres you can go to is Austin, at, at Texas. Le- yeah. You go to Austin, te- but don't get lost in the spheres. You'll end up in any other part of Texas. Yeah, because then you'll be lost in Texas. Oh, you don't want to uh, <laughs> uh, just have to drink pearl beer and shout woo wee. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so the spheres, they they share all of this stuff in common, and Everway connects to like, I think specifically like seventy one or seventy three of them or something. Sure, like oh yeah, we have a temple of uh, archways because like Sigil, the way you get to other places is you have to pass through a portal. Yeah, so. As a player, you automatically have the trait Sphere Walker, mm-hmm. which means you can just sense and walk through portals no matter what. So other people might see, like, trees with their limbs overlapping, and they'd be like, oh, that's neat, and just walk through that, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't think anything of it. As a player character, you see that, and you instinctually know, oh, if I want to, I can walk through that and it will act as a portal to some other planet. The Aerosmith dimension, maybe. Yeah. Oh, man, the Aerosmith dimension is great. Oh, yeah, so many handkerchiefs. They keep making all of these arrows. (laughs) It's just arrow builders as far as the eye can see. It's an arrow-based economy. It's an arrow-based economy, but they reproduce entirely in elevators. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. Thank you. So the uh, Everway is, there's so much space dedicated to Everway in this. It's too much. I don't know why they assume that your game about guys who can leap from place to place are going to want to get involved in the politics of one town. Well, the problem, and here's the thing is, because I'm going to go to bat for for Sigil, which is the same fucking thing, right? It's just a, it's a little city that's full of doors to other cool places, is that Sigil is the low-level haven. When you're a beginning starting plane city of violence. Very good. Thank you. You're good. Welcome. Uh, well corrected. Yeah. Okay. When you're a low level Burke in the uh, in, in Sigil, you're like, all right, I can't really leave Sigil because if I go anywhere, I'm in the upper plains and everything's level 150. <laughs> Everything eats me for breakfast and shits me for lunch and then eats me for dinner again. That's <laughs> that. Oh, I think that was the the riddle of the Sphinx. <laughs> what eats What you? eats you for breakfast and shits you for lunch and eats you for dinner? It's man. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, let me ask you this, though, John. What has four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, and three legs in the evening? I don't know. This weird goat I found. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Hey. hey, anti-jokes. But it makes sense in Sigil because you can't go outside because it's dangerous. But this world doesn't really have that sense of if you leave Everway, you're entering crazy danger and you probably shouldn't. No, it gives, oh my god, it gives all like 70-odd dimensions you can go to, and it names all of them and gives you a little blurb about them which yeah. is i'm gonna go ahead and mention this now something this book breaks all the time is the standard writing rule of three mm-hmm. normally when you're going to give an example you'll give three so you'd be like oh you could go to a plane that has a bunch of people that ride birds or one populated by a majocracy or perhaps one that is more like merlin and king arthur 
And then you would stop there. Yeah. This you, book keeps going for like two paragraphs going, or maybe you'd be in a place like this, or this, or this. It had a lot of flashbacks to Nobilis for me because of the writing style. It was the same, very similar to the uh, never stop giving examples, never stop flowering it up. Yeah, it, w- it seems like someone had told him, look, man, you need to make this book a certain page count. And he's like, all right, fine. Papa's got a pad. I mean, they already, they already failed that. The book's like 60 pages long and occupies a small portion of a board game-sized box set. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with two more yet smaller books. Yeah, which is why he had to pad that out. Yeah. He's like, man, I got to get this up to like 100 pages. But yeah, there's a lot of this book where your eyes are going to gloss over like you're reading one of the italicized parts of The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's just like, hey, man. Maybe you'd have a magic power, and it would allow you to do, and it'll just go on for like a page and a half going like, oh, perhaps you would talk to a toad. Maybe you would talk to a bird. Maybe a toad would talk to a bird for you. And it's just on and on and on and on. And it's it's kind of ridiculous, but whatever. It's fine. It doesn't really... The problem is that it doesn't have that sense of escalation or that sense of connection between the spheres. Because another thing that really sold Planescape for me was that in Planescape, there's all these monsters coming into Sigil and trying to affect the schemes of the outer planes there. There's like demons that are trying to infest local equipment and, and, uh, and possess people and, and affect their own crazy ideas and evils. But here it's just, what's Everway? Everway is a gleaming city of spires populated by 17 ruling families, each more beautiful and art antiquated than the next. Yeah, uh, each one has those like, this is the Emerald family and they rule over this part of the city. This part of the city is mostly interested in trade. Here is the gold family. They are a ruling family. You're like, I don't care. None of this has a threat to it. None of it has anything to do with anything happening on the other spheres. There's no connection. It is. It basically is a city that you would find in some other fantasy game. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, oh, yeah, no, there'd be some town called Everway, and it would give you the name of all these families and all that, and if you were part of that world, You'd be like, yeah, this is one of the cities I could go to and I could get involved in their politics. Oh, yeah. The, the dragon-marked house that's most common here is Thrashk. Sure, I got that. All right. It just sounds like Eberron, whatever. But, but no, here it's like, oh, they're connected to 71 other dimensions, but no one notices or cares. Yeah, it's there's an entire district of this, which is where the Outlanders stay, and those are people from other spheres. And they're not quite second-class citizens because they usually bring with them... But you roll like, the windows up. Oh, yeah. They're they're probably okay. I'm sure there are some that are fine, but you know, don't oh, take any chances. I like their vibrant Outlander music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, they're playing that Outlander music at three in the morning, and I'm trying to sleep. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm picturing all the Outlander music is common or Lupe Fiasco now. By the way, <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> it's just one of those. Uh, okay, so anyway, that is kind of a failing of this book. The concept is great. The concept of, oh, you can travel in any sphere you want. There's all kinds of crazy stories. It's very free form. You yeah, can, yeah, but the, the descriptions of Everwave 1 takes up way too much space. Yes. And then the descriptions of everything else that you don't need takes up so much space that it started to feel like it wanted to do the game for you. Right. Because yeah. normally when you do that whole rule of three description thing, you go, all right, I've got an idea, and now I can make my own. Yeah. But in this, it was just like, I'm going to give you so many ideas for spheres that now you're going to feel like, oh, I can't even make one up myself because it's going to look like one of the examples you gave me. Right, or you're going to hit that the same thing with the powers, where it's like, hey, build a power. It's as simple as knowing which of these three things it is and how much of each one it is. Here's 70 examples. Ugh, damn it. Now I can't come up with anything without going like, Oh, okay, that's in the book. Great, you just picked that. Yeah. Good job. You're not very creative. 
yeah, so that's that's a kind of a problem. Anyway, we should probably wrap this bad boy up. So let's get to our favorites and least favorites. Woo! John, what would you say is your favorite thing? Okay, so my, my favorite thing. City of Violence. In Everway. City of Violence. 2.0. <laughs> Advanced. <laughs> is the... Revised and expanded. <laughs> <laughs> director's kit. Oh, the director's kit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done now. Good. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I like <laughs> that in the book it has. I'm just waiting. I'm, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm just terrified. No, I'm, 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 I'm done. Like, I'm like a kid that's been bullied in high school, and I walk past the guy, and I just reactively flinch, you even if just, he doesn't look at me. You want me to just do the thing where I crack my knuckles? On, on uh, they're all already cracked. I can't do it. I can't crack uh, my knuckles you for have you right now. Pre-cracked your they're knuckles. Pre-cracked. How about I just do this thing? Yeah, there you go. Hit the mic. That's a good thing That's to do. A good thing. I'm going to have to cut that. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I did that punching my own hand thing that makes punching your own hand noise. Yeah, you know. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, John, I, I apologize. I would like for you to tell me your favorite thing about this game now. <laughs> this game, Everway. By, by all means, please tell me all your favorite thing about Everway. Okay. So in Everway, probably my favorite thing about it mm-hmm. is the, the free-form nature of the resolution. I actually really like that. Uh, I know that a lot of people tend to be like, oh, I, I don't want any of that like super fluff games or whatever. I want to have more control over things. Mm-hmm. But I think for what this game is, it's a really interesting mechanic. I think the Fate deck uh, has the potential for a lot of the ability to like make weird things happen or make interpretations and essentially let the GM come up with a resolution that he might not have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, in the I'm fighting an ogre scenario, you might have just looked at it as the GM and gone, all right, well, your fire score is better, I guess, so you win. Right. And then that's an opportunity for improvisation. Hey, your fire score is better. How do you beat this ogre? Let's talk about that. Not do you beat the ogre, but just how do you beat the ogre? Yeah. And you still kind of do that in this, but with the resolution system, you go, all right, if I'm not particularly good at coming up with twists, then you can go, all right, I pulled a card, and now trying to think of how that card works, I can attempt to do something interesting. I guess. I mean, the cards are a little too... Uh, well, ma- I'm I'm a GM that yeah. never prepares anything and improvs literally everything I do. So for me, I'm like, oh, this is great. All this right. is just improv games, and it gives me some tools. Here, let me let me let me help you out with that. Let's say you're fighting the ogre, John. Go ahead, tell me what you're gonna do. Great, I'm gonna fight that ogre. I'm gonna kick him in the balls and slide under him and slice him in half. All right, here we go. Uh, we're gonna add to that a resolution card. I'm gonna pull uh, inspiration reversed. Lack of imagination. Yeah, well, I went for the nuts, so that's not very imaginative. <laughs> it is kind of a basic thing. Oh, at least you didn't do what your old friend did and go straight for the left nut every time. Oh, yeah, that left testicle every time. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Your favorite thing about the game is is the, the improvisational resolution system, basically? Yeah, I okay. like that. I, I mean, obviously I wouldn't want that in every game, but I do appreciate that it exists in this. Okay. So uh, your favorite thing. I'm going to go to the bat for the 20-point character creation system. All right. Uh, I like that it's very simple that you have enough points left over after building your character to a basic human to either become a superhuman in some way or buy some cool powers or neat spells. You have a lot of options there to kind of build a character out that's it, it's it's free-flowing, and I like that. I like that it's just, hey, 20 points. Spend them where you want and have a character. And don't worry if you make a low stat because you're going to be able to cheat your way into it with those cross-class skill thingies. 
Well, even with the low stat, it's the only reason you'd ever have a low stat in something is because you are rad at something else. Yes. So it's I, I like that. I thought it was a good, well-designed, free-flowing. And, and the 20 points is a nice, easy to understand. I really like the power creation system. Well, yeah. Unlike other point-buy systems where it's like, oh, this costs this many points, and then you have to buy these, and then you've got merits and flaws and so on. The 20 points with a very, uh, like, just free-flow, you-make-it-up mm-hmm. imagination process for your powers. Super interesting. Yeah, powers cost between one and four points. It's very easy to think of uh, or, or to explain them. It's an easy conversation to have uh, when you're talking to, like, your DM, and you're like, oh, I want my character to be able to breathe fire all the time. All the time? So it's actually fairly regular that he breathes fire? Yes, he can do it whenever he wants. Okay, well, then it's obviously frequent. Okay, but... Uh, is it versatile? Well, no, he basically can just breathe fire. He, he, he can do damage to people or he can set stuff on fire, but it's not like he can use the fire he breathes to you know, power a ship or something. He's just breathing fire. Okay, well, then it's probably not versatile. Is it powerful? Well, you know, he can kill people with it. So, yes, all right, it's a two-point power. Right. That's easy. Even so. then, I probably would say it was frequent because, you know, unless you are literally just walking around all the time like, hey, you, t- you talk to the local mayor, I breathe fire on him. <laughs> well, you could be like that. <laughs> all right, how about this? I can breathe fire, and it can either heal or hurt. Okay. Okay, now it's all three, isn't it? Because you can either kill people with it or heal people with it, and you can do it whenever you want. I talked to the local mayor. I breathe good fire on him. Ah, good fire, sir. (laughs) Good fire to you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I come from a sphere where everyone can do that. This is basically (laughs) like the Legion of Superheroes. superheroes. God damn it. I'm good, bad fire breath boy. Oh, man. Now I really want to play this game. <laughs> Just play it as Legion of Superheroes? That's fine, but I'm going to play as Has an Ape Kid. <laughs> Everyone on my planet of Has an Apia has an ape. Good. Great. I love that. I want to join the Legion of Superheroes and get a flight ring. I have this ape. <laughs> no ring for the ape, though. <laughs> no, he doesn't need it. You get to fly. The ape doesn't. You know how badass that ape is? He's got it all figured out. He's going to join the Legion of Ape Heroes. Yeah, he's going to go join Grodd and Mr. Mala. <laughs> Yeah, and the gorilla boss of Gotham City, and and several other gorillas that I could I could name if I needed to. <laughs> that time Lois Lane's feet turned into gorilla feet. There we go. There's one. Yeah, and Beppo, the super monkey. Yeah, he's a chimp, but sure, why not? Yeah, he's part of them. Yeah, they let him in. It's the mascot. <laughs> it's cool. We're allowed to have one. <laughs> no detective chimp though. No, no detective chimp. Although they do get to have Solovar, the detective police officer of Gorilla City. Yes. Yes, I named another gorilla guy. Uh, Woo! Good job. You did it. I did it. <laughs> I'm so proud. I mean, after the gorilla boss of Gotham City, where else are you going to go? Yeah. I mean, Grape Ape. Ooh, fucking girl. That's not DC. Get out of no. here with that shit. Uh, you don't know. They may have done something. <laughs> There's that DC Hanna Barbera crossover. <laughs> well, that just opens up a whole bunch more apes. You also got a Megilla in there now. Yeah. No, I mean, come on. Batman and Scooby Doo hung out. So obviously, there has been some DC Hanna Barbera crossover. I would love to see the Batman meets Megilla Gorilla crossover. <laughs> yeah, Batman's like, all right, we need to get into that warehouse. Oh, you're the gorilla of my dreams. Well, I'm going to murder this guy, and then I'm going to do, do something else. I'm going to bury him in the yard. <laughs> Alfred, shovel. <laughs> uh, Where's the nearest river in a sack? <laughs> yeah, no, this, the natural response to Megilla Gorilla is murder. <laughs> it's true. All right, so there you go. The free-form character creation system is my favorite part. <laughs> What's your least favorite part of this game? Okay, so least favorite part of this is I, I got to go with the uh, the actual pictures 
that picking five pictures oh, things and making it. a character no. is so awful. Now I gotta think of something else. Yes, you do. Four hundred little stupid art cards. Oh my god! Because all the rest of it, when they're like talking about, oh yeah, you know, ask questions about where your guys from, and you know, really get a virtue and a flaw and what their fate is and all that. I'm like, that's really interesting. However, when they're like, and pick five pictures and somehow tie it into your guy, I go. No, that's okay. I don't need to do that. What is creating the light beyond the winged finger in the background? Uh, light? Yeah, it's light. It's it's a, I don't know, a glow stick. I don't know. A bunch of lightning bugs. A bunch of lightning bugs and some eagles. <laughs> lightning bugs and eagles. That's all it is. Working together in tandem. Finally. <laughs> so that's your least favorite thing, is the yeah. little art cards. That part of character creation is so extraneous and weird, and it just feels like he had a bunch of artist friends and tried to get them paid. Oh, yeah. And a few of these are actually famous artists. There's some there's some well-known D&D art pieces in here. And a couple of them uh, by, like, Braum has a couple pieces in here. And, some and Rebecca so on. Gway. Yeah, there's some, I think, well, actually, I'm not sure, but maybe there's some Rebecca Gway. You never know. Yeah, there's some friggin'. Yeah, I mean, you, you get enough fantasy art, you're going to find some Gway in there. Nothing you could do about it. You're going to find some weeping lady next to a uh, stained glass, like, window. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a willow, and there's going to be some maiden under it. It's yeah, going to happen. with some feathery-style red hair. <laughs> That's Re- just going to happen. Rebecca Gway, everybody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I miss when those two people who did, like, the Dork Tower stuff were also doing magic cards. Oh, really? Remember that? Like, way back? Is it them? Oh, yeah. No, it's not them. It's, it's They did some other comics. You had some, some Foglio stuff. Foglio. That's what yeah. I was trying to remember was Foglio. They did, like, uh, Girl Genius and then their, their own oh, yeah. thing you have Wizards You had a few that. that was, like, uh, I think it was the Sorceress Queen was in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a few of the other, like, goblins and whatnot cards. Right. Phil and Kaja Foglio actually ended up getting a lot of art pieces into early magic, and it's so fun whenever you encounter one, and you're like... What's this? Oh, it's a it's a goofball idiot goblin with a triangle for a smile. Oh, oh okay. Well, at least it's better than that art for stasis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, art for stasis, which is basically like someone's half-assed high school art attempt. It's like someone who was like, I could do cubism. Here's some squiggles and some squares. Done. I'm a genius. We Look what, at me. What did you do? Oh, I put a seesaw and there's a clown and a triangle. Okay, great. A lunatic does not behave. <laughs> stasis. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, so what is your least favorite thing in Everway? I mean, I hate to say this, because I feel like we're going to go ahead and say our least favorite things about this game are the things that separate it from other games, because the thing I don't like is the tarot cards. Aw, <laughs> oh, I like the tarot well, cards. Well, I think the tarot cards are a neat idea, but they're really annoying. First of all, it, they aren't written in a way, they're written to, to look more like tarot cards than an, an interesting new product. Like, I know they aren't real tarot cards, because the book tells me so, but otherwise, they're just fake tarot. If they were something new, if they had if one of them was like re- referencing the spheres in some way, Meh. you know what I mean. If if they had some connection to the game, but they don't, they're just like the eagle, the the fear of shadows transversed, and I'm like I I I don't care. These just feel like tarot cards. They don't connect me to the game in any meaningful way. They pull me out of it and make me think about gypsies, <laughs> and and not the good kind, the stereotypical kind. Okay. Yeah, I hate that. So that, that those pull me right out, and also the fact that the resolution system clearly fails in its in its usage. Well, you handily defeat the ogre. The ogre is defeated handily by you. Even in, when they were writing the book about how to play this game, they screwed up and made it boring. Well, yeah, but I think that's more a fault of presentation than the actual game. Uh, sure, but it, that's an important example to hand out to people. Here's here the game revolves around your ability to you to creatively use these thirty six random cards with nonsense on them. Here's how we did it. Bah, stupid. Well, now I you think, do better. I think the problem was, like I said, the other 
times where they do the resolution mechanics and actually give you play examples are so much better. Yeah. But it was it was that problem of we need to give you an example for literally everything that exists. Yeah. And because they tried to shove every single card into that example, I might have it liked ended that, up being terrible. I might have liked that section a lot better if it had just been 36 little stories. Yeah. But it just been like, hey, this guy fights an ogre. The next person has to talk someone into letting them use their pool. Or if it had been like, again, three cards. And they go, oh, here's three different examples of how you could resolve this. Oh, you can't do that. Cards. Because cause a lot of these cards are nonsense and no one's going to know how to interpret them if they don't know that 18 of them are pretty good and 18 of them are pretty bad. Well, you have an entire book of these are what the cards mean. Oh, sure you do. Sure you do. You have the uh, little book that explains what the various cards are and what they do. And I here, let me just one last one last time into the breach of random reading from a chapter. Oh, good. Everyone likes that. Everyone loves when you're just reading from the book. <sighs> the lion. Reversed. Weakness. Reversed. The card means illness, weakness, or physical failings. Okay, fine. Fair enough. You're right. That, that yeah, actually does. Yeah. That works just fine. I picked one at random, and I ho- my petard is hoisted by me. <laughs> yes. Who hoisted it? I did. Fine. Soldiers can be soldiers can be put to evil use when they follow the, the uh, orders of evil leaders. True. Like, that is All right, true. You need to talk this guy into letting him letting you use his pool. Well, soldiers can be convinced to do evil things. What? what what's that have to do with this? It's just some dude with a pool. <laughs> so anyway. I just didn't care for the tarot system. That's going to be my least favorite thing. Fine. That's fine. You can be wrong. That's okay. I know I can be wrong. I've been doing it for like 72 episodes now. <laughs> I'm real fucking good at it. Uh, made a career out of it. Excellente. Very good. Now, would you play Everway? I totally would. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is one of the few games where I'd actually want to run it as well. A lot of the times we have these games and I'm like, man, this is so crazy. I would play it just to see how it plays. Yeah. But this is one of those ones that it plays directly into how I run a game anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, uh, this is a game that reinforces my make no plans and improvise everything. Awesome. Fair I enough. I would definitely play it. Okay. What about you, Jeff? What about you? I don't know. This is like the opposite of what I want from a game. Oh, I know. What you want from a game is a board game. What you want is WoW for babies. <laughs> That's true. I do. Having played WoW for like 12 years, what I really want is a baby's version of it. Yeah. Maybe there's like three buttons at the bottom and one's white or black or red and I have to swap them and they beep when I do. <laughs> and it makes Thrall move around in a circle. Yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> that's that's what I want. WoW for babies instead of this. Finally. Finally we got it. <laughs> oh, where is Varian? Poop. There he is. <laughs> How come no one's actually built that? Wow for babies. That's a genius idea, right? <laughs> actually, make like a little computer game that is Wow for babies. And it's just straight up the shit that you can do with a mobile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you, just, you hit one of those little colored lights, and a guy just pops up, and he's like, "Oh, I'm a dwarf." <laughs> the Murloc says, <laughs> "That would be amazing." Oh, okay. Well, that's our next project, everybody. There you go. <laughs> Actual wow for babies. For realsies, wow for babies. Blizzard, get in contact with us because we're doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there you go. Oh, 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 yes. I'd probably play this game. Like I said, it, it seems to be everything I don't want in a game, but it's got a lot of ideas I do really respect, so I'd probably give it a try. Okay. There you go. Hey, there you go. It's it's fairly positive review from us. It's a solid recommend and yeah. a half. Yeah. I mean, if you can find this. Yeah, that's that's kind of a thing with this. As I understand, this game is pretty rare and hard to find. Early reviews complained that uh, the game is unplayable because Jonathan Tweet is not included in every box. <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely want someone who's like, oh, I know the ins and outs of this game because 
even for me going, oh, yeah, I'm great at the improv thing and I love doing that. I would still draw a card and then be like, hold on, let me cross-reference a book real quick because I have no idea what this means. Yeah, you need a lot of mastery to play this. Yeah. That, that is true. Anyway, I think we're probably about done here. A solid recommend for, for Everway. If you can find it, give it a try. But you need to fully find it because you need all 400 little pictures of random, like, hot elf maidens and, like, wizards with lizard wings and so on. Yeah. You need all that to play this game correctly. You need it. You have to have it. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. As always, this has been System Mastery. You can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or System Mastery on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, or our brand new subreddit, r slash System Mastery. Woo! We're going to post this there. You're going to be able to get it there if you want. Yeah, you can ask us questions there for Afterthought. You can go ahead and tell us we're wrong there instead of on our own website. Yeah, you can get in there and do everything Reddit's the best at. You can uh, make us look at pictures of you and your dumb trilbies. <laughs> you can tell us how euphoric you are. <laughs> There you go. Let's make fun of our new our new listeners. Hi, Reddit. <laughs> Hi, Reddit. You're terrible, and I hate you. <laughs> I don't understand your appeal. Your website is backwards, more backwards than like a GeoCities page. Yeah, it's awful, and no one should go there. Uh, but I'm going to anyway. So, hello, Reddit. We are System Mastery at r slash System Mastery. <laughs> also, Twitter, Facebook, Gmail. Send us your afterthought questions. Support us on Patreon. We are about to go create bonus content characters for this game. Which is going to take a while because it's going to be me and John asking each other a lot of very detailed questions about what is going on in the background with that wing on that dragon. Yeah, it's yeah. tattered. Why? I don't, I don't know why it's tattered. We'll have to answer those questions together. <laughs> so anyway, that has been the show. Uh, as always, support us on Patreon if you want that bonus content. And we will see you next week with more System Mastery. So until then, have a good week. Or don't.